following is a message from Living Waters Church in Elk River, Minnesota. For more information, visit livingwatersmn.org. So good to be here, and you know, certainly on the behalf of my wife, Amy, and our, our team, and we just want to say thank you for having us. We've been treated like royalty since we've been here. And, um, and uh, I'm so more thankful for just what you are stewarding here. Um, there's just, there's something here. <laughs> Glory. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that's what you're stewarding here. And uh, it's powerful and it's tangible and it's meaningful. And, um, and we're just thankful to be part of it. So... Thank you for having us. Uh, so we're John and Amy, and we're from we're from Staples, Minnesota, kind of central Minnesota. I'm a family practice doc there, working in the ER, and still still working, still doing shifts. And uh, the last two or three years have been crazy, as you can imagine. <laughs> so we feel like we're starting to kind of ramp out of one of the craziest medical seasons of 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 maybe ever, um, uh, at least in the history of the United States, anyway. Um, so we're we're good, feeling feeling better about that, anyway. But uh, we have a family ministry, and family is one of our favorite words. And so we've been really handed a mantle regarding family and the importance of, of family in our culture. And family is my favorite word, and culture is like shortly thereafter. It's like a 1A, 1B. <laughs> because um, as family goes, so goes the culture. And every, even secular sociologists will agree that as family goes, so goes the culture. That's always been true. It's been true since the garden. It's true now. It will always be true. And so when we talk about culture and the, the things that we're engaged in in this world, it's directly connected to our families and the health of our families. And so that's why we are, we are running with that message and we're running hard with that message because we feel like it's so central to what is happening. And um, we, we love, and I know you do too, we love the word revival. You know, we're all like, like, yay, revival. It's like the, the, greatest, the greatest word and the things that we're striving for, and at the center of that is the word glory. Obviously, the glory of God is the center of revival and, and him. And, and the, so the question is, you know, what does revival look like? Well, the answer is, whatever he wants it to. <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, what, what does a 500-pound gorilla eat for lunch? And the answer is, whatever he wants to. <laughs> That's kind of how it is with the Holy Spirit, isn't it? And so, but, but there's a danger in that, because sometimes we, we look at, at yesterday's glory, the things that he did before, and we try to try to put him in a box, and we try to define him, like, this is what revival looks like, because that's the way I experienced it before. And, and we have to understand that he, um, he's God. I, I love the word um, by our sister, I don't know where she, right back there today, where she simply said, I am the Lord, I am the sovereign Lord. It's like, oh, you could feel the weight of, of that simple word. I am the Lord, I am the sovereign Lord. And so revival gets to be whatever he says it gets to be. <laughs> and, and I would say that, um, you know, I think we can agree on this when we talk about the word revival. Um, it's not God who needs to be revived. <laughs> are, we, are we okay with that? We, we, we think that he has sort of like this Rolodex, like, well, today revival is going to be this, and I need to do this, and I haven't done this one for a while. Well, more than likely, it's, it's actually that he's the river, and he just flows. Like, like he's the river, and he flows. 
and, and he's the same today, yesterday, forever. He's the same God, and he, and he moves in powerful ways all of the time. And so is it possible that revival actually just looks like our willingness to, you know, cannonball? <laughs> Everybody say, cannonball. <laughs> Isn't it possible, like, that's what revival looks like? Like his, his, his river is flowing, and it is just simply our willingness. Sometimes we think revival is sort of like, uh, kind of dip my toe in, and we'll see what's happening down the street, and we'll go to that one, and then we'll check out this one, and we'll, we'll see how it feels, and, and we kind of dip our toe in. And, and I'm not sure that's what revival is. That's, that's experiential encounter, which isn't bad. I'm not saying that's bad. But isn't it possible that revival kind of looks like, <laughs> and you jump in. It's, it's, the, it's the cannonball effect, you know? And see, he's the same yesterday and forever. He is always moving. He is always speaking. He is always, his river is always flowing. And so I don't think, I don't think revival is, is about a building. I don't think revival is about holding meetings and then hoping that there'll be interest in what the Lord is doing. I think revival is what the Lord is doing and then we hold meetings to share and accommodate the experience. Does that make sense? I think it should be that direction. It's about transformational experience in our hearts, not just a building. And so the cornerstone of, of that is his glory and his presence. That's the cornerstone. That's, that's what we all hunger for, hunger for. In fact, I would argue that we're even like hardwired to want it and to need it. We're hardwired because that's the way we were created from the beginning. It's like in our DNA to actually want to hang out with God. That might blow your mind. And this might blow your mind even more. He created you because he wants to hang out with you. <laughs> it's in his DNA. He actually created us to, because he actually likes us and wants to hang out with us. And wants to be with us. And so he put us in a garden called Eden. And, and he hung out with us. And, and that, was their experience, that was their experience. There, there was no call for revival in Eden. It just was. It just was. That's what he created for us. And we were, we were in it. And we were saturated in it. And so we, when we jump in, you know, we always talk about, you know, glory to glory. Well, when you jump in the river, um, what does it look like? What does it feel like? I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> Let's jump in and find out. I mean, I can't even tell you. All I can tell you is that when you jump in here, it's going to be glory. When, it, when you're downstream, it's still going to be glory. And it's going to be from glory to glory to glory. That's how the kingdom works. And so I can't tell you exactly what it's going to be like, but it's going to be awesome. And it is awesome when you jump in and you experience his revival. Got me all weepy now. Hmm, so good. Haggai 2.6. This is what it says. I really want you to listen to these words. This is what the Lord God Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and what is desired by all nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty, the sovereign God. 
That's what he declares. That's what he wants. And so Amy and I are running with this family message, and we've been so, we've been so encouraged because the, the prophetic words that have been coming out lately, I would say in the last three, four years, um, have been that, that this quote-unquote next revival, the things that, that the, the, the Lord is moving in, the things that we are jumping into, is going to be based on glory and family which is interesting. We're hearing it over and over again, and, and it gets our hearts a pitter-patter because we're like, oh, okay, well, that kind of makes sense. That actually lines up because, because family actually brings something to revival um, that is in a key ingredient that I feel like maybe has been missing. Um, you know, if you, if you took this microphone and went out under the street and you started interviewing people and you said, you know, do you think family is important? I think you'd be pretty close to 100% people would probably say, yes, I think family is important. <laughs> if you said, do you think your family is important? I think that number would trickle down just a little. I think most people would still think that their family is important, but there might be some that would be like, I don't really know. And then if you ask the question, why is your family important? I think it would be harder for people to answer that question. I think, I think it would be a little bit more difficult. I think those percentages would start to go down if people would be able to actually put into words why they think their family is important. And, and one of the messages we want to give and, and, and the alarm that we want to sound is that your family is vitally important, not only just in the health and the life and times of your day-to-day -day existence, which is really, really important, but it's actually center to God's heart and the movement of the river of revival. It, it, why do I feel like that's true? I believe it's true because from the very beginning of time, he actually placed family in the garden as a central piece of his culture. And so God created man and woman. He placed them in the garden. And he spoke to them and said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the whole earth is what he said. It's actually called the cultural mandate. I like to call it the first great commission that was actually given to family. It was handed to family. He actually created them and then gave them a role to play in his creation. They actually weren't in charge of the whole world. They were in charge of raising a family within the environment that he gave them. They were to tend and to keep it. And then their children were supposed to reproduce that culture over the face of the earth. It was supposed to be a reproducing culture through their seed, through their offspring. It was supposed to be a generational truth where they would actually take the culture that was given to them in Eden and spread that culture over the face of the earth. That was the assignment given to the family at the very beginning of time. It's super, super important. They, they, were, sent, they were a centerpiece to what the father actually had. And as we shared this weekend, this, this is an extremely important truth. There is no plan B. <laughs> you may say Jesus was plan B, but I would say, no, Jesus actually came to restore plan A, <laughs> to restore your families. And I'm going to prove that to you today. To, he's, he wants to restore your families to the prominence and culture where you actually set the culture, where you actually create a culture for the, for the spirit and the glory of the Lord to come and remain. Family is a piece, and I'd like to just hand you that piece. I'd like to hand your church this piece where you can sort of plug it in to what the Father is telling you about glory. Because I think for too long, um, I, the, the prophetic word is glory and family. But I think for too long, it's been glory or family. 
or glory despite family, or glory at the expense of family, or glory separate from family. And I believe that's been a problem because I believe he's actually shifting things to be glory and family. I think the key word in that sentence is and. <laughs> there's, there's an and piece because, because it's what um, glory actually brings key components to, re- family brings key components to glory and revival. And I'm going to give you three key components that I believe that family, strong, healthy families that set culture actually bring to revival. The first thing that brings is normalcy. See, we think sometimes that we live sort of this normal life and then revival hits and we're taken into some sort of abnormal existence. That revival is the abnormal. I would submit to you that revival is the normal. Like this is the normal culture that he created for us and we are simply supposed to be bobbing down the river. (laughs) Like bobbing down the river in his glory. That's actually the normal way we're supposed to live. And that's the way he created it at the beginning when God would just walk with them in the cool of the day. And so family actually brings a normalcy. I think you guys can realize if you just do the math that we spend a lot more time in families than we ever do in church. Church meetings, church gatherings. Not that church is bad, church is great. That's why we're here. But think about just the time spent with each other in our, what we're, what's called our homes, living out family, family life. It's, it's way much of a greater time period that we're actually investing into that. And so when, when he created this and he called it good, he actually decided that when Jesus came, he would actually come on a restoration mission to actually restore the culture where we would just bob down the river in his glory. See, one of the most misquoted verses is the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. It's actually not what the, what the verse says. It actually says the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. It's a big difference. He came to seek and save that which was lost. The culture of Eden, the culture that he created for us at the beginning of time is actually afforded to us again through the blood of Jesus. He's actually afforded it where where the, the, the veil of separation has been rent in two, right? And we can actually step into the holy of holies and be in his presence and glory. Jesus made that possible. That's super exciting. And I'm telling you that when we live in that place, when we live on the other side of the veil, that's actually normal. That's the normal. When we live outside of the veil, outside of his presence, disconnected from him, that's the abnormal. That's the out of order. That's the place that we are not supposed to be. That's the place we walk to away from his presence. The normal is living in his presence in a constant culture of revival where it becomes normal life. Family actually brings a normalcy. What would it look like if in our homes we, we, can, we can even come to church and we can receive what the church gives us, but then we take it with us and we actually do normal life in the glory? Do you guys think that's possible? I think it's, I know, I think it's not only possible, I think it's normal that, that, this, that, that a revivalist type mentality or culture actually lives in us all the time and we live and move and have our being in him. I think that's what it's supposed to look like. It's glory and family, fully immersed in what he is doing. So I think he wants his glory, pretty sure, he wants his glory in every area of our lives. 
He wants it here in this church setting. We want it when we leave here. We want it in our car. We want it at work. We want it in our homes. We want it in our living rooms. We want it when we're changing dirty diapers. We want all, all the moments of regular life. Those are all glory moments. Every single one of them. That's, that's how he wants it to be. See, I believe church, it was actually created to be sort of the lecture lab portion. Like you come, Pastor Renee explains about showing us his glory. We learn from that. We get connected to that. We maybe even try it out a little bit and maybe do something bold like cannonball. <laughs> we do some of those things together. We try it out at church and then we take it into our normal life. That's what it's about. Church isn't meant to be this cocoon where we experience his glory, but you have to come here to get it. That's not ever been his intention. So if our families can get it, if our families become a structure, if we can go out and do normal life, family brings a normalcy. When families embrace the glory, it will be normal culture. Families bring a sustainability. Number two, a sustainability. See, again, when you look at revivals, what we've considered to be quote-unquote revivals in the past, um, they've all been wonderful. And believe me, if, if we see those moves of God, as we would call them, Amy and I are going to be the first ones in the car over there and just <laughs> sitting in, with a straw and sucking them up as much as we can. I mean, I, there's nothing absolutely wrong about those, but they do come and go. Historically, they seem to have come and gone. And it seems like um, they, there would be a tremendous outpouring and impact, but they would last usually as long as the revivalist could steward the glory. It would usually be built either upon a church, on a person, or a group of people. And as long as they could hold it, it would be continued. But his glory is difficult for humans to hold. <laughs> it's, it was actually made for a culture to hold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just, that wasn't even in my notes. <laughs> but I think I believe that's true. <laughs> and yeah, this, is an, this is not an indictment on revivals or revivalists. Um, however, we're, we're in a culture where we're not just sipping from the river. We're actually jumping in. It's not temporary, but it's sustained. And that's what we're really after. So strong, healthy families, I like to think of it as sort of like scaffolding. Like it, it provides framework. It provides like the practical um, peace on this earth where, where um, a foundation for his glory to come and to stay. It's sustainable. See, Genesis 2 explains that Adam and Eve had everything that they needed to not only live in glory, but to sustain the Father's original culture and plan. I believe that Eden was the last time that we actually saw complete normalcy, where that was just normal culture. They walked away from it and they rebelled from it. We wish they hadn't. But, but because of Jesus, he's actually once again opened this up to us. And family gives us that framework where we can actually have his glory come and stay. And it can be sustainable because it's part of every regular, everyday regular life. It's not on the shoulders of one person or a group of people or even a church or a building. It, it's based on the foundations of family that actually take it and steward it in their home, in their homes. So when families embrace the culture, it'll be sustainable. The third thing that it is, and this is what makes my heart sing, is that it 
makes it reproducible. Reproducible. I, you know, we get, we get floored. Amy, in, in homeschooling our kids, you know, we'll read sometimes about these old revivals and things. And it, and it blows your mind about, you know, the kids at Azusa Street, for instance. I mean, you hear the stories about that. And, you know, they're, they're, they're playing hide and seek in the glory cloud. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, like, what? You hear these stories. It was so thick that they could hide on one side of the stage and play hide and seek with the kids. And that, and that was their culture that they were living in. But so often, too, if we're not careful, that, that revival or revival movements or revival meetings can be very adult-oriented, and, and we can try to connect with it. And, and there's, there's grace in that because we're trying to learn, too. This is all new for all of us. But, but, but isn't it better to have a culture where, where they, um, the Spirit comes and the Spirit moves and the kids see it, and then the culture becomes reproduced. It becomes just a normal part of their life. We... Um, had a chance to to talk to the Calvos last night about our parents and and just such a great heritage and tradition that we've had. My my dad was a a Lutheran minister, a Missouri Synod <laughs> Lutheran minister, and uh, one day he went to a conference and came back and they were all singing in tongues. <laughs> and this is this is before I can remember. I was a, a wee little one, um, but the trajectory of our family changed, as you can imagine. And uh, so he kind of got the, the boot out the door from church, and, and, and things changed and things shifted. And so my older siblings kind of remember the, the Lutheran side of my background. I really don't. I was sort of, I always said I kind of was able to live more in the glory years after um, dad got radically transformed and changed, and, and, our, and our whole life did. Um, but I, I say I know, but the truth of the matter is I, I don't know, and I don't really know. Um, the price they paid for that. Um, yeah, I, I, it, it was painful. And between family and expectations and understandings, and here's this radical guy who's a respectable Lutheran minister, all of a sudden, you know, going off the rails. <laughs> and what's, what's happening? And, and there was a price to be paid for that. Um, but I, I was the recipient of that. And so what my parents actually had to contend for, um, I was able to simply step into. And, and my, my dad was so, is so, um, he's so, um, <laughs> getting emotional, he's so, um, he's so connected to the encounter with the Lord, because that's so valuable to him, that he has problems singing songs about Jesus. It only has to be to Jesus. <laughs> like, I can only sing songs, like, to Jesus. Like, that, that's how I was raised. And with that preciousness. And it's, it's interesting because, and I, I, I don't say this in any arrogant sort of way, but, um, you know, when music starts and worship begins, um, I can just enter in. And, and I know that's not because of how spiritual I am. I, I, it's true for me because I inherited that. It was an inheritance that I received, a revelation from my parents that the music starts, and I don't, I don't need a lot of time to kind of brush off the world. I can just sort of go, boom. I'm just kind of there. And, and my dad paid the price for that. My mom paid the price for that. And I, and, and I just walked, boom, right into it. And, and then we look at our children, you know, Amy and I, you know, we had a revival center in our home. And, and it was just these, Dave and Susie had been there. And it's been, it's been a wonderful experience. And it was like crazy Holy Spirit stuff happening. And my kids just think that's normal life. <laughs> they, they, 
And, and Amy and I have paid a price for that. We've made a place for that. We created a nest for that. And my kids just get to simply walk into it. And they think that's just normal. That's just, that's how life is. And it's, it's a generational flow of revelation of the glory of God in our lives. And what one generation contends for, the other ones just get to simply step into. And, and it's called the river. <laughs> it's like, hey, I'm in the river, jump in too, because it's great. The water's great. <laughs> and the next generation sees it, and they say, yeah, we want that too. And so the, that family dynamic, the way that family builds is so important because it actually reproduces culture, the reproduction of culture. And so I think that's why healthy families are so important because Amy and I can demonstrate to our kids what glory looks like, and, and they want it, and they experience it. They, they see the fruit in our lives, and they want it for themselves. That's why family is so important. So when families embrace the glory, it will be a reproducible culture, a reproducible culture. So I just want to close the, kind of this thought. It's, a long, it's going to be a long conclusion. But... You know, Jesus came not only on a salvation mission, but he came on a restoration mission. And, and it's always been about his father, about his father's glory, about, about the kingdom itself. And so I love, you know, Malachi 4.6. This, this is the last, you know, prophetic utterance of the Old Testament about what's to come. And it says this, The Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the hearts of the children to the fathers. The word turn means to return. It also means to restore. He will restore the hearts of the father to the children. He will restore the hearts of the parents to their, to their children. Why was that important? Why, why is that an important prophetic utterance in the time in which we live and what was just about to happen, which was the birth of Christ? Why is that important? Because family was the key component. It was a connection piece between the Godhead and mankind. And family would be the scaffolding. It would be what he would use to actually build his glory upon. And so it was important that the scaffolding gets rebuilt. It gets returned. It gets restored. And that family would be a key component. It's, it's, it's a place for it to come. It's not his glory. It's not as big as his glory, but it's, it's the peace that actually allows his glory to come and to rest and to stay and to be sustainable and to be reproducible, to be a normal part of culture. Healthy families allow this to happen. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you just to turn to Acts chapter 3. I think Acts chapter 3 is one of the most important um, New Testament messages that have ever been preached. <laughs> and this is, this is Peter speaking. Now, Peter didn't have a smartphone. He didn't have anything prepared. He didn't have a little binder with notes in it. <laughs> he, he was just walking down the street. Um, you know, Peter and John went to pray. They met a lame man on the way. Am, am I, is this, does this age me? Do people, still teach the, do people still teach this song or no? Okay. All right, I'll just... Yeah, <laughs> well, if you know it, sing along. He held out, uh, no, Peter and John went to pray. They met a layman on the way. He held out his palms and asked for some alms, and this is what Peter did say. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. So that's the, that's, that's the story. So Peter and John are walking. They see this guy who's been lame since birth. Everybody knows him. He's sitting there on the steps. Um, and they walk by him. And, 
and they said, you know, we don't have any money for you, but we have something that might interest you. <laughs> and he said, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. So this guy, who's been there forever, everybody knows him, gets miraculously healed and restored. And he goes ballistic, as any of us would. He goes crazy. He goes so crazy and makes such a scene that a crowd gathers, okay? A crowd gathers. What's going on? What's going on over there? And so it's important that you know the context of what's happening when Peter gives this message. It's never just a flat story on a page. There, there's life to this story because this guy just got, got restored. And so it says that he's leaping and he's praising and he's screaming and he's calling out. And, and all of a sudden this crowd kind of gathers around to see what happens. And so Peter opens his mouth and he gives this, I believe, one of the most important messages that he can give spontaneously from the power of the Holy Spirit. Spontaneous message. But it says, as I will read, that this guy who was healed is actually hanging on him. So don't, don't lose the context of the story. This guy, they said, is actually kind of draped over them because <laughs> he's so drunk with happiness, right, about his healing. And Peter is giving this message with this guy hanging on him. So picture this. Picture a man, like, holding on to me as I'm giving the message. Okay, it's important that you understand the context of what he's saying. And this is what he says. Now, as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. And so when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, I love this, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness, we made this man walk, the guy that's hanging on me, <laughs> this guy, Right? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are all witnesses. It was kind of a tough love message at first. <laughs> kind, of, kind of hit him between the eyes, right? And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. The word perfect soundness is the word interpreted as restoration. He has completely restored him into perfect soundness. Yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets, that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled, past tense, done. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Woo. And that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. For Moses truly said to the fathers, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren, capital P, him you shall hear in all things whatever he says to you. And it shall be that every soul who will not hear that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. Yes, and all the prophets from Samuel and those who follow, as many as have spoken, have also foretold these days. These days. What's happening right now in front of you. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying to Abraham, 
and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Hmm, juicy. (laughs) So Peter said that when Jesus came, he actually brought a spirit of restoration on the earth that would would, um, usher in a time that you are living in right now. So who in this room are the son of the prophets? That's all of us. He's talking about you. He's talking about them. He's talking about this moment where this man was healed. And so he said, you shouldn't even be surprised that this guy is healed because this is the manifestation of living on the other side of the cross. This is what we should expect to see because the prophets told you that this is what was going to happen, that this guy would be completely restored. And so he said there are going to be three manifestations that should happen and that we shouldn't be surprised about. The first is that they're going to be healing, just like you saw with this guy who's hanging on us. Like, we should expect to see that because that's what the blood bought. Number two, there should be refreshment in his presence. My friends, that wasn't afforded before because there was this veil of separation. That was torn in half where now we get to walk right into the Holy of Holies and we get to be once again refreshed in his presence. It's called his glory. (laughs) We are once again ushered into his glory and we shouldn't be surprised about that either. Because Jesus paid the price for that. And the third manifestation of that will be that all of the families of the earth would be blessed. Why did he put that in there? Why did he put that in there? The healing glory and then family. The families of the earth would be blessed. It's because it's the manifestation of the blood of Jesus to restore family. Because family is the structure, the backbone upon which his glory would come. It's glory and family. We, should expect, we shouldn't even marvel about the fact that your family is going to be restored. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> we shouldn't even marvel about the fact that he wants your family healed, strong, restored. It, it's, it, it's as um, this man who is crippled is healed, we shouldn't be surprised. We shouldn't be surprised that where we are living right now in these days, that families should be healed and restored. It's the manifestation of the blood of Jesus. And I don't want one drop of his blood to be shed in vain. And that's what Peter is releasing over us, is that this isn't for someday. This isn't a hopeful wish. This is something that we should expect to see and not even be surprised by it. That's how important your family is. It's critical. It's critical. Now, his glory can be anything he wants it to be. It can come anytime in any different way. I get all that. But if we have healthy families as a structure, even in a church body, as we go home and we live healthy families, restored relationships, it actually creates an environment for his spirit to come and to stay. Normal, sustainable, reproducible. That's what family gives. That's why family is so important. If you don't know that family is important, you actually won't seek healing for it. You won't seek healing for anything if you don't think it's important. You have to know how critically important your family is. And so you might be sitting here this morning and kind of going, yeah, well, you don't really quite understand my family. (laughs) It's It's like messes upon messes upon messes. And I am telling you this morning that God is a God of restoration. He's a God of restoration. There's nothing out of his reach. And you may think, well, I don't really need family anymore. Well, then you're not fully understanding the blood of Jesus. 
You're not fully understanding the importance of what he created and died for. He actually died to bring restoration and life to not only your bodies, not only to the church, not only to a healthy, uh, healthy environment in the spirit, but actually to our families. That's what he gives us. It's interesting. There, there was a time um, in, our, in our lifetimes, I mean, I would say in the last several decades, that before, before that time period, maybe, you know, I would say 30, 40, 50 years ago, we, we didn't quite know how to pray about healing. Because, you know, God is sovereign, and, and, we, and, and we understand that, you know, he, he's in charge. And so when somebody gets sick, we kind of did the ah shucks sort of thing. Like, well, you know, maybe God, you know, caused them to get sick because they wanted to be more like Jesus. And suffer with him. And, and so we, you know, we did the, we did the Holy Spirit, you know, contortions where we're like, I just don't know, you know, and we did, we, we did kind of the, 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 you know, the, the, the two-step prayer, kind of like, if it's your will, be healed. <laughs> if it's your will, be healed. <laughs> and we didn't quite know what to do. Wimpy prayers, okay, just be honest, because we, 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 we didn't want to step on God's sovereignty, right? But what we've learned over the last several decades is the nature of God and his goodness who's always running after us what we sang about this morning. It's the goodness of God, the absolute goodness of God. There's nothing in his nature that is not good. And so we know that sickness and disease is countercultural to his nature. And so we don't have to actually try to guess whether it's his will that somebody gets healed. We've actually kind of crossed that hurdle. And, and what, you know, so people like Bill Johnson and things who were able to run with that message, like God wants all people to be healed because he's a good God and he's a loving daddy. And so we got past that. And then guess what started to happen? People started to get healed. <laughs> once, once there was the revelation that it was his will that you be healed, then we could actually boldly pray, boldly go to the throne and say, be healed in Jesus' name. And, and there, was a, there was a new fervor, a new boldness in the church and then the fruit of that, the revelation of what Peter was talking about, is that we began to see it manifest. And we're seeing healing, bodies being healed. And so it took some time to kind of get there. I believe that we're actually at the beginning of the idea or the notion or the revelation that the Lord wants families healed. And you might be sitting there and doing, doing the little spiritual two-step, like, I don't know, our family's the best, we reap what we sow. I've created a whole bunch of problems. I destroyed our marriage. I made bad decisions. All of these things in our families. And so we're like, you know, I think, you know, you want us healed, but maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe you kind of want it to leave us here so that we kind of, you know, we, we get our just rewards, you know, that, we, that we've, we've earned this. And so we're sitting in that same place. And I would like to release to you this revelation this morning that we don't have to guess whether it's God's will that your family gets healed. <laughs> We don't, have to, we don't have to get it. it, it you, you don't have to be perfect. It's not about performance. He loves you, and he wants your family restored and healed. Now, will that require something from you? Potentially, yes. Like, you can be healed from diabetes, and you still have to take care of your body. You still have to steward the healing. That's true. And so he may talk you through and walk you through healing, but I know this for a fact. He wants your family healed. If there you're thinking about your family relationships right now, even as I'm speaking. And, and, and I understand that there's hurt. There's the good, the bad, and the ugly of family. We know. We minister in this. It's hard. But I don't have to guess whether he wants it for you. He does. Not only does he want it for you, he's already shed the blood for it. It's already been done. 
So with boldness, I am asking you this morning, who in this room needs family restoration? If that's you, just stand up. Just stand up. This is, this is, I can, I can preach this with boldness. I, it's like, I, hey, I feel like somebody has pain in their elbow. They come forward. I can, with boldness, pray for healing for your elbow. This is where I'm at right now for you, is that if you need healing in your family, in your family life, in your family relationships, guess what? He's going to do it. I can pray it with boldness. And when it happens, I'm going to ask you to not even marvel at it. <laughs> like, expect it. That's how strongly we feel about this. This is, this is what we're bringing to your church is family restoration. And I'm telling you, Pastor Renee, just turn around and look. <laughs> like, if these, fam- if these families get restored, guess what? Guess what? <laughs> that's, that's, that's the glory can come, and it can be healthy, and it can be sustained. And this can go on from generation to generation. And it can start right here just by your willingness and obedience to stand up and receive healing. So just put your hand on your heart. I'm just going to pray over you. Heavenly Father, we love you. You are a God of restoration, and I release your restoration power over this room right now for every family that's being represented. Lord, the the family members and the relationships that are on everybody's heart right now, Lord, I I, I bring those and we lay those before you in your throne in heaven because you are a God that heals. And Lord, with boldness, The boldness of Peter that stood up in front and released this message. The same boldness, Lord God, that healed the man um, completely from a lifetime of misery. Lord God, there might be some people in this room that have a lifetime of misery. That is not outside of your reach. There might be generational ties, generational pain. Lord, we bring all of that to your throne today, and we are asking and we are calling out for your healing touch right now, In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Thank you. Just say it. I receive it. I receive it. I receive it. I actually don't even want to overcomplicate this because because his power is so good. And, and And we can understand it. We can just be at the center of what he has for us. Do you guys receive it? Like sincerely receive it for you and your family? Go ahead and sit back down then expect it. Now, this is what's going to happen next, is you're going to start to see some dominoes fall, um, some, some of those places. You know, Amy and I were told prophetically that, you know, we were given um, an anointing to break the spirit of division. The spirit of division is this crafty little thing where, where you say something to somebody, and they receive it differently. <laughs> like, I say blue, they receive red. The, the, the enemy does that, and, and he does that in families all the time. Or it's like I say something to them, and then somehow I offended them. I have no idea what I said. You ever been there? It's called the spirit of division. It's like that's not even what I said. But it's received that way because it goes through this filter. So in the name of Jesus, I just break the spirit of division off of every family and relationship in this room, that there would be clarity of conversation, clarity of thought, and that the hearts of love that everyone has in this room would be easily communicated one to another in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Ah, thank you, Lord. Yes, we bless you, God. So watch for it. Watch for it. And there's going to be these moments because the Holy Spirit is good and he talks to you, right? Right? Holy Spirit talks to you. <laughs> so listen to the Holy Spirit's voice, and he actually may give you some things to do in this. And that may be some personal inner healing. 
There might be some of those places that have been very raw and painful. I know that family can be painful. I'm not naive to that. So there might be those places where you're going to have to go or ask for help or seek healing in those deep places of family and, and because now you know that it's important. Because if you didn't know it was important, you might say, that's just too painful. I just don't really want to go there. But you need to, for the sake of your family and for the sake of our culture, it's that important. So I'm, I'm, I'm asking you, if, if you have some of those deep-rooted things, um, you may have to go after some healing for that and be willing to. Find those people that you trust or a sozo time or some, some different issues that way because that's healthy. It's going after health here so that when healing comes, healing has, has a foundation that it can just sit on and you can receive it. There's going to be moments of forgiveness. He's going to walk you through forgiveness. It's essential. It's essential to relational healing. He's going to walk you through those things. He may tell you some tangible things. We've heard this before, like the Holy Spirit told me to write a letter. He told me to write a letter to my mom who I haven't talked to in decades. He may tell you some of those real practical things. He may actually tell, them, tell you to pick up a phone and give a call to somebody you haven't for a while. This is, the, this is the movement of the Holy Spirit, but this is the pathway to healing. So there's going to be some practical things that he might ask you to do, but don't marvel that it happens. Be ready. Leave this place with anticipation that it's going to happen. Or it might just, you know, we just, sometimes we just miss it. <laughs> But it's going to be there because I, I, have, I have full faith in believing in his power to heal and his restoration power. I just believe it. I'm just going to read what I wrote here at the end of my notes. And I'm just going to have you close your eyes and just, just receive this for you and your family, okay? This is just what I wrote. I wrote, family is an emotionally charged word. The good, the bad, and the ugly. But we cannot let sin, bad decisions, and the schemes of the enemy define what family is or isn't. We must know that the Father's heart, we must know the Father's heart and know that our God is a God of restoration. We cannot let modern culture define what family is or isn't. We must learn his definition and his original plan for us and our family. We cannot be complacent with just a good family. We need to know what his good is and the reason and destiny for every family. And we cannot be disqualified, our past, our mistakes, or we may feel this doesn't apply, like we're single or alone, estranged, or too old, too young. But this message is for everyone, everyone that cares about the heart of the Father and believes that they have a role to play in his kingdom. So, Father, we just release those words, Lord, over the hearts of everyone here because they all have a role to play and a part in your kingdom. So, Lord, I just release this healing spirit over them. Lord, I stand against the enemy that will want to accuse or, or to try to diminish what just happened this morning. And, Lord, I just release a, a spirit of truth, wisdom, guidance, wholeness, health, healing, Lord, every, over every heart and every family represented here. And Lord, I just pray a family blessing over this home, over this church, over the families represented here, those who are on live stream. I just release a family blessing right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. 
To learn more about us, please visit livingwatersmn.org.